Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Outstanding weekend of divisional round playoffs ahead. And you are most looking forward to Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson. The results look pretty definitive, but the Vikings and Niners are coming on strong second place as we speak. The national championship game in college football is Monday night. We'll hear from the voice of the LSU Tigers talk about can anyone slow down Joe Burrow? Could Clemson do it? And does LSU have the best wide receivers in all of college football? It's a divisional route home and home. We're brought to you by zip recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire. If you're looking for a head coach or if you're looking for a director of coffee or marketing or whatever your needs are, check out ZipRecruiter.com. Slash enter. I'm Dave Briggs, home of Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania, and he's always solving situations, is Ross Tucker. Always helping people out of a jam. So here is mine, Ross. Today is my son's birthday. Happy birthday, Will. Will is 12 years old today. Love my son. But, Ross, his birthday dinner with all his crew, Saturday night, 630 you know what's going on at that time. And I had the audacity yesterday to say, Will, can we not move the birthday dinner a little bit around the playoffs? He was furious, bro. He stormed out of the room. Do you care more about football than me? Did I do something wrong? And what do I do? Uh, no, you didn't do something wrong. I'm a little bit concerned. Where is the birthday dinner? It's at a it's at a uh, hibachi place, so it's not like if it was a burger joint, no problem. I'd have my uh, earphones in and it'd be all over the wall. It's at a fucking hibachi place, flipping shrimp into people's mouths and lighting fires and stuff. Good fun, no TVs in sight, bro. And there's no TVs, so not in the hibachi yeah. side, only in the bar. All right, so when was that? When was it scheduled? Uh, I was scheduled a couple of weeks ago by my wife and you know, typically parents are out of the, well, excuse me, dads are oftentimes let set out of the loop on this. And I was until the fact that by the time I was brought in on the plan, it was already done, confirmed with the parents. There was nothing I could do. All right. So you got a couple different options here um, because you got to go to the party. It's your son's 12th birthday. Clearly it matters to him. Um, I'm surprised that Will wants it during the NFL playoffs and somewhere where they don't have TVs. I'm yeah. a little bit concerned about him. He's a 12-year-old boy that doesn't want to watch Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Like, yeah, I know. I know, right? Now, he doesn't play football, right? He's not into football? He likes football. He will, uh, like, if it was... Um, Kansas City and Houston, I think it might interfere. They love Lamar, but like Mahomes and Watson 
to them is the premier matchup because they're not really fans of teams as much as they are players these days. And they love Lamar, but it's still the Watson Mahomes matchup. But yeah, these kids, and apparently all of them don't care. Cause I asked my son about that and they said, whatever, we'll see plenty of the games when we get home. Interesting. Okay. Um, the next point I would make there would be your options are then to DVR them or if NFL game pass, you can watch them that night or the next morning or do you have the nfl mobile app on your phone yes i do okay so you're gonna have to have that out now you're not gonna go volume in i don't think you go volume in i don't think you have an earpiece in but i do think you have it on your phone the whole time and you have it there and what you do is when there's a big play you make sure to go over to Will or some of his friends and show them the big play so that they are part of it and so that you are engaged, so that there are tangible examples for your wife and your son that you are engaged in the birthday party. Message being, Dave Briggs cares. Dave Briggs cares about this birthday party. But really, all you're doing is when they're showing a replay, you're just being like, hey, James, check this out. Look what Lamar just did. Oh, that's cool, Mr. Briggs. Cool, yeah. Will, dude, I got to show you this. And then Will will be happy because dad's in it. Dad wanted to show him something. His friend, but like, your dad's cool. He wanted to show us those plays. Your wife's like, yeah, see my husband. He gets it. Meanwhile, you're getting to just watch the whole game on your phone the whole time. You're really good at this. Like, literally, I think you need an advice column. I, I don't know that they do those anymore because nobody reads newspapers, but maybe the Ross, t- you could open like a new Ross Tucker Twitter feed as your Twitter advice column because what's important in these situations is not that you just show you care about your son, but I think it's also important to show that sometimes dad's career, and it's not just my desire to watch a football game, it's my career comes first. So you have to have that balance and i think once again life hacks with ross tucker just came through that's your new twitter feed solving the world's problems excellent parents let us know at rdc home and home dads what would you do in my situation if your career was watching football but it was your son's birthday party oh Excellent job, Ross Tucker. Terrific advice. Um, Not sure if Ross Tucker would advise that the New York Giants turn immediately to Joe Judge, a 38-year-old offense, uh, excuse me, special teams coordinator slash wide receivers coach, but that's what they did. They shocked the football world after uh, Matt Rule took the job with the Carolina Panthers, and Judge was introduced yesterday to the New York media and to their fan base and asked about what he learned from the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick. And what I learned from Coach Belichick was, was real simple. Be flexible within your personnel. Don't try to shove round pegs in the square holes. Figure out what you have. Let them play to their strengths. Don't sit in a meeting and tell me what you don't have in a player. Don't tell me they can't do a certain thing. Tell me what they can do, and then we'll figure out as coaches, because that's our job, how we can use that. That's our responsibility. Everybody has something they can do. How many cast-offs you see around the league that end up on another team? Everyone says, wow, how'd they get that out of them? Maybe they just weren't closing their eyes to what they could do. 
Okay, we have to, as a coaching staff, when we get assembled, we have to make sure we're sitting down, we're patient with our players, we fully evaluate them, we find out what they can do to be an asset, and that we're not foolish enough to not use that. What did you make of that assessment? What Joe Judge learned from Bill Belichick? Well, I'm glad that we played the whole clip because as I tweeted this morning at Ross Tucker NFL, I've seen so many people taking the part where he says the round peg square holes and show me what the guy can do. Don't be me. And I feel like people on social media may not have realized the question was, what did you learn from Belichick and that he said that? Because I'm seeing this tweeted out everywhere like Joe Judge just invented this or something when it's been a known, well-documented Belichick thing for 20 years. And maybe even before that. I don't know. I'm not saying. But I feel like people are acting, Dave, like Joe Judge invented it. Uh, He did not. He wasn't claiming he did. He was very clear that he got it from Belichick. But based on it being on uh, the video clip of that being on my timeline on social media 50 times, people are, this is unbelievable. Oh, this is amazing. Like, we all know that this is Belichick's philosophy for a long time. I was a little bit confused on that one, Dave. How about you? Yeah, I, I really liked the assessment there. I didn't love the presser. It wasn't like Matt Rule-esque to me. I mean, I thought he's obviously prepared guy. He obviously prepared watching something like Friday Night Lights, though, because he just kept spinning cliche after cliche. And, and, and one I didn't really know about in 2020, you can't get by with new gimmicks or new schemes and think you're reinventing the wheel. The same things win football games that have always won football games fundamentals. I mean, this guy spun cliche after cliche after cliche. He clearly wanted a solid seven performance in this opening press conference. And he probably got, uh, I'd say about a six from me. My takeaway from the very beginning is listen, Bill Belichick clearly is the reason this guy got the job. I can't figure out why maybe Josh McDaniels wanted no part of working within that organizational dynamic. And so maybe Bill Belichick knew that, or he thinks Joe judge might be a better coach down the road. And you, Yeah, well, you and I have talked about that. The whole McDaniels, Giants, Judge thing is interesting. McDaniels interviewing with the Browns while we record this on Friday morning. And I got to think he's the prohibitive favorite at this point for that Browns job for a lot of reasons. He loved Baker Mayfield coming out reportedly. He's from Northeast Ohio, the Canton area. Really looking forward to seeing if that's who the Browns end up hiring. The one point I want to make about Joe Judge, and we talked about this yesterday, Dave, with Nick Costos. People can always go back and listen to that, the hour number one from yesterday's show on demand on the radio.com app. And remember how I told you that he's a Philly guy and he'll be good in the press conference. Like he'll know what to say. He'll know how to handle himself, AKA BS. Yeah. I loved it that the first thing he did was go around and shake hands with every member of the media and tell them he wants to try to help them do their job. What a bullshit artist. No, he does not. But you know what? It works. It works, Dave. I think I've told you this before. 
It helps. It works. You shake their hand, show them some respect and dignity. That's all they want. Don't treat us like a pest. Don't treat us like we're a jerk. Just some respect and dignity. And he went around and shook all their hands. I think I've told you this before, but I, I read stuff a lot. I would get to know the beat writers by their first name. I would All you have to do is call them by their name. All you have to do is yeah. treat them like a human being. Like, oh, Frank, that's a good question there. Well, you know, Mary Kay, when you blah, 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 blah. And a couple times, Dave, I actually told the reporters that I had read something that they wrote and I liked it. Holy crap, dude. Holy crap. They love me forever. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. They would write about me like, Tucker's underrated and underappreciated. And in subtext, because he said he liked my column one time, but it's absolutely the way to go. I'm from near Philly. Joe judged it. He gets it. You got to butter him up a little bit, Davey. You do. And, and I would like to see, and we've never talked about this, but Ross Tucker, the head coach, would be an intriguing, uh, not that you need another career. You got enough. You succeeded and and on the field and off of it in the media, but Ross Tucker, the head coach, I think would be in very intriguing final spot for you. But then, then again, you're not going to move around the family at this point, but I think you'd make a very solid head coach. One head coaching job still open in the NFL. And that of course is the Cleveland job. You mentioned it. Josh McDaniels looks like the favorite, but who knows with that organization, McDaniels will interview for the job today. He is the eighth interview for Cleveland. According to most, he is the favorite number seven yesterday. Keep your eye on Kevin Stefanski, the Vikings offensive coordinator. Although Mary Kay Cabot said Jim Schwartz has a legitimate shot at the Browns job, which really surprises me. Frankly, let's listen into 92.3 in Cleveland. You can always find them on the radio.com app, their reaction to who they'd like and this coaching search and the way it's played out. I like the idea of an experienced head coach. Me too. I know what the criticism of Garrett is in Dallas, right? And he ate and ate a lot, can't win playoff games. And there are concerns there, but I like his head coaching history. I like the fact that he seems like his teams are disciplined and he's organized. He knows what he's doing, which would be a welcome change, you know, from what the Browns have been through, especially in 2019. Frankly, for Cleveland, I think they desperately need to have a former head coach with winning credentials in the NFL. Um, They've gone through the others. Now it's time to bring someone in that has those credentials to kind of help give the organization some stability and someone to lean on um, when, you know, obviously times get tough. Josh McDaniel is is a brilliant young coach. I think Jim Schwartz is an excellent coach. Defensive-minded, I think he'd be a great pickup for the Browns because – He's been around winning football. He's been a head coach in this league. He can provide that stability. I still think McDaniels has some baggage. Uh, He's a phenomenal coach. Um, Don't get me wrong, the X's and O's of it, I mean, there are a few few candidates with a better resume in that sense. Yeah. But, you know, the Denver situation has not go well. Yeah. And and the Indianapolis, you know, reneging on the cold. That's 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland with the insight on the coaching search. Look, everybody has a bad experience in coaching, even Bill Belichick, who, of course, was fired by that same organization. Um, So I I discount a little bit his performance with my Denver Broncos. And keep in mind, he won a playoff game with Tim Tebow at quarterback. So how much the Colts factor plays in, 
Nobody knows. I think McDaniels is one. I think Stefanski is two. Interesting how the Browns are tweeting out every time they do an interview and seven minutes ago tweeted out that Josh McDaniels will interview today. Who do you think gets it and why? I think it is Josh McDaniels. Uh, and I'll tell you why. A, I think they like that he has previous head coaching experience. B, I think that they like the fact that he is coming from New England. And I think that they believe that there will be some clout there for him because everybody knows Josh McDaniels so that he'll get the respect of Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. And also because I think they believe that he can work wonders with Baker Mayfield and get him back on track. But the biggest reason why I think it's going to be McDaniels, Dave, is because every time I've seen five tweets today from guys like Albert Breer, Ian Rappaport saying, this is a big one. Ooh, this is a big, this is the big interview. Like they don't say that, I don't think, unless they have a pretty good idea that he's kind of the favorite or the guy that they think is going to get the job. They didn't say this is a big one for Jim Schwartz or Kevin Stefanski. You're right about that. And part of it might be the Ohio roots for Josh McDaniel, who's from Ohio, but probably uh, the favorite. Maybe he brings Nick Casario, who did not sign a contract extension. Maybe he brings Scott Pioli with him. Should be interesting. And, and when we'll know, it's been a very deliberate process as opposed to what we've seen with the other organizations. Uh, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, always in the news and he was on WIP radio was Doug Peterson talking about the end of their season, how he's proud of what they accomplished and they had to take him to task on his characterization in the season ending press conference about how he really didn't seem so angry about the hit from Jadevian Clowney that knocked Carson Wentz out of their playoff loss early in the game led to Josh McCown coming in. So Angelo Cataldi had to press him on that. Is he okay with that hit, or does he actually think it's dirty? Did he reassess that? Listen. You know, I, I mentioned to you after the game, obviously, my, my comments on when I saw it, but then when I saw it again on Monday, it, it's unfortunate. Um, did I feel like it was potentially an illegal hit? It's possible, but listen, it's, it's part of our game. It happens. Um, it gets missed. Um, it's unfortunate for Carson. I'm disappointed for Carson that he obviously couldn't finish You know that, that postseason game. Unfortunate for our team, but I'm not going to focus on the past. I'm moving forward right now. I'm not going to dwell on, you know, one hit, one play. Um, so that's that. Doug, I can tell you, I, we've done 20 hours with the fans this week. They feel cheated because Carson did so much to get you guys to the playoffs, and then it was just torn away from him. Do you have that sense, too, that it was the way it all played out was unfair? I don't know about unfair. I, I just, you know, listen. It, these are plays, as you guys know. We're we're trying to get these plays out of out of our game. Um, they're they're unnecessary. It's a, it's an unnecessary roughness. Should it have penalized at the time? Yeah, it should, probably should have. But obviously, that if it was or wasn't, it doesn't change the fact that 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 Carson probably would have been out of the game because of the hit anyway. So that's Doug Peterson this morning on WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia and also him 
before that interview, how he initially characterized it. And it sounds like he's evolving a little bit. I agree with his characterization of it, Ross. I'm not sure about you. Look, could have been flagged. Didn't strike me right away as a dirty play. I think Carson Wentz has got to learn how to slide. Yeah, I mean, look, he could have slid. Um, I don't think, look, I, I said this before earlier in the week. I'm the wrong guy based on how I play to call anything dirty or a cheap shot. I don't really believe there are very many of either one of those when you're inside the white lines of a professional football game. I do, however, think it was unnecessary roughness and it should have been flagged. I don't think that anytime there's a flag thrown that that means it's dirty or a cheap shot, but I do think there should have been a penalty. But to Peterson's point, that's not bringing Wentz back anyway. So I, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I do think Obviously, what's going on in Philadelphia with the coaching moves is interesting and will certainly be something to keep an eye on moving forward to see who they would hire now that they moved on from offensive coordinator Mike Groh. Interesting. He also weighed in on that, saying he wasn't exactly totally transparent and honest on the seasoning press conference, but he was this morning. And Doug Peterson also said if Jim Swartz is not hired, he will be their defensive coordinator. One final note on Carson Wentz, and it's the NFL's chief medical officer called Carson Wentz, quote, heroic for identifying, for at least um, volunteering information about what might have been his concussion there. I agree with that. I think it's time that quarterbacks and, and players around this game start stepping up, taking care of their long-term health, Carson Wentz did that. Some call him soft. They're ridiculous. He is heroic for being honest about what may or may not have happened. All right, so it's the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and Monday, dessert. The college football playoff national championship, LSU versus Clemson. Can Joe Burrow keep on rolling? We'll ask the play-by-play -play voice of LSU after a quick break here, Ross. First, though, last time I get a chance to tell you today and really this week about ZipRecruiter, who sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. The beauty of it, though, in my mind at least, they don't stop there. They've got powerful matching technology. So that allows ZipRecruiter to scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective, in fact, that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, College Football National Championship on Monday night. LSU Clemson, the one we've all been waiting for. Can anyone, anything, any team stop Joe Burrow and that incredible collection of wide receivers and how LSU is dominating, smashing records, off the football field as well on a Friday home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by zip recruiter. Check them out in 2020, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. Be in the booth this weekend for 
the NFL's divisional round on Westwood One. Ross Tucker, quick question for you before you break down the college football national championship game. What school do you think drinks more beer than anyone in the country at football games? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think LSU's probably up there, but I would go with volume. I'd go with like Michigan or Penn State, one of the 110,000 stadiums. I absolutely would have said the same thing, but no, it is indeed the number one team in football, the number one team in drinking beer at their college football games. Let's talk about it with Chris Blair. He is the play-by-play voice voice of LSU Tigers. Chris, great to have you on the show. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. I don't know if you've seen this. Great story, though. LSU drank 55,000 beers in an October game. That was a record. They were astonished until they drank 60,000-plus the very next week. Have you ever seen anything like the beer-drinking habits of the LSU student body? Well, no, they're pretty good at it. Uh, I knew the answer to the question when you asked it originally, because um, <laughs> I've seen it firsthand. But uh, if you've been to a, a Saturday uh, at Tiger Stadium, I mean, that wouldn't come as any surprise. Uh, uh, one thing I've learned since moving to, to this part of the country, they will throw a party at the drop of a hat. So when you throw a college football game in the middle of that, um, they have no problem uh, reaching and, and, and surpassing the challenge, whatever it may be, whether it's playing football or or whether it's uh, whether it's drinking beer, but uh, you know, for the for the Peach Bowl, I know the team hotel um, ran out of uh, ran out of beer. They were overrun by uh, Tiger fans. So it's the one place this coming Monday night, and we joked about it uh, during the Peach Bowl. It's the one place for this national title game where there's no chance LSU is going to drink the city dry, and that's in New Orleans. So, Chris, uh, you know, you've been to a lot of places. And I have never been to Tiger Stadium for an LSU game. Is there anything like it? I mean, who who is your who is your second place place to to call a game, and how close is it to Tiger Stadium? Because I'm assuming that's number one for you. Yeah, it is. And you know, I say this a lot because you you know I've had the the privilege of going to a lot of great places. And let me say, uh, there are some great tailgates from coast to coast, and they all have their own. Uh, little unique feel to them. But the way I always put it is there's no place like it. And you said it exactly that way. There's just no place like it. Um, Tiger Stadium uh, on a Saturday afternoon, especially when the game's going to be under the lights uh, at night. Uh, So it's extremely unique. Um, You know, they have a lot of fun all across the SEC, and that's where we go in season uh, season in and season out. Um, But again, I, I would put... Uh, you take anybody who's just looking to experience college football and, and put them in Baton Rouge on a Saturday afternoon, I, I dare say they will they will give you the same response, which is there's no place like it. And, and more than likely, they'll say, uh, when can I come back? Talking to Chris Blair, the play-by-play voice of the number one LSU Tigers playing Clemson in the National Football Championship on Monday night. We won't ask you who you think is going to win the game, Chris. Where is the biggest advantage for LSU against Clemson? What matchup are you watching in particular? Well, it's going to start in the passing game, and and I guess you could start with Joe Burrow, just simply what he has done this season. And he's been, uh, you know, basically shown everything, at least in the college game defensively, that I think anybody could throw at him. 
uh, a lot of different exotic blitzes. Uh, we've seen eight men in coverage, um, and they've been able to adjust. And I think the reason they're able to adjust is just all the weapons that are at his disposal. But if there's a matchup, I think, uh, that will be interesting to watch. It's going to be the, the LSU receiving core versus Clemson's defensive backs. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people over in the upstate of South Carolina, and they tell me that this isn't quite the defensive front that Clemson had certainly last year, maybe even the year before that, uh, simply because they had basically an NFL front. Uh, and those guys now are playing in the NFL. Uh, but it's a very hardened secondary, and probably that's the, the, the strength of their defense. So that, to me, sets up a great matchup in what I believe, and I could be biased, but I think the numbers bear it out. Uh, the top receiving trio in the country with Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, the Bolitnikoff winner, and, and Terrace Marshall, who is going to be 100% healthy. Um, so I think the matchup there, because we've seen, as I mentioned, so many different defensive approaches to this LSU passing game. Are you going to bracket coverage, double coverage? Are you going to drop eight uh, back there? I mean, you kind of have to pick your poison onto which of those three receivers you're going to focus on. And then beyond that, Thad Moss, uh, the tight end who, who really looks like an NFL wide receiver, but fits more into that tight end hybrid position here at LSU, um, you know, has been able, he's another one you got to account for. And then out of that, they've instituted the, the passing game with the running backs and Clyde edwards Lair. So it's kind of like, where are they going to put the emphasis and how quickly can LSU react to that and get it to the guy that they're basically saying, uh, we're going we're gonna to let this guy beat us. When did you know, Chris, that, that Joe Burrow in particular and that this team was special and different? You know, I, I would say the third preseason game uh, you know, it was a closed scrimmage uh, over at Tiger Stadium. And, you know, we watched preseason scrimmage one look good. Uh, you always take that with a grain of salt. These guys are, are tired in the, in the heat of the summer. They're tired of hitting each other. Second preseason game, we left saying, you know, th there wasn't a lot of drop passes. The ball, number one, went in the air quite a bit. Number two, uh, it was caught. Um, and then in, by the preseason scrimmage three, you know, I think all of us that took that in came away from that saying, you know, this may surprise people, and people may think we're crazy when we talk about this wide-open LSU offense based on what they have traditionally been known for. Um, but I think this, this team has a shot to, to put points on the board. And then, you know, many people may remember that Joe Burrow during SEC media days uh, basically so, uh, said to everybody, hey, get ready, LSU's offense is going to put up 40, 50, and 60 points. And I remember a lot of people scoffing at that. Uh, I think there were even LSU fans that thought, come on, Joe, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, but, boy, they have delivered right at 50 points a game. They put 60 up on the board a handful of times this year, including against Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. So um, I think just watching them in preseason and you realize, look at all the skilled players that LSU has traditionally had. What's been the missing link? And it's been this type of playmaking quarterback. And Joe Burrow has done a tremendous job in, in improving from year one in Baton Rouge to year two, where he's just set video game numbers up all year. Chris, I got two more for you that I'm interested in. One is Coach O and one's the Superdome. I'll go with Coach O first. What were your thoughts initially, honestly, when he was hired? Because it felt like there was a perception that he was just kind of a, a Cajun good old boy, and they just gave him the job like, for that, but he's not really a good coach. Look what happened at Ole Miss. What did you think when they first gave him the job? 
Well, you know, he was named interim uh, after four games into the 2016 season. And, of course, when that happens, there's not a whole lot of time uh, to, to really start analyzing. And I think at that point, people said, okay, let's see how Coach O does with the remaining schedule. Uh, and that gives LSU time to go scour the country and, and possibly find somebody to come in as a replacement. But I immediately got to start working with Coach O. Uh, obviously knew him as the defensive line coach, but, you know, working with him behind the scenes and, you know, a, a lot of what he talked about when people would listen was the mistakes he made at Ole Miss and how he, first of all, identified those mistakes and secondly, reached out to others in the business and more specifically, very successful people in the business on how to avoid those mistakes a second time. And he leaned a lot on Pete Carroll. And you hear Coach O talk a lot, not the X's and O's as much as the organization and structure of his program. Um, and he quickly said, I'm the CEO. I cannot coach this team as the head coach like I do the defensive line. He said that was one of the mistakes I made uh, in Oxford when his first uh, opportunity as a head coach. So, you know, he stole me over pretty quick uh, because, A, I, I appreciate anybody who, who realizes their shortcomings and then goes actively trying to improve <laughs> those. And I felt like he had. And, and secondly, I could see the organization he was building. Uh, that he desperately needed the administration to allow him uh, to assemble the staff that he needed. And that meant making some changes. And some of those changes were made pretty early on uh, in that interim season. Uh, so I, I've been a big Coach O fan from, from day one. And, you know, at his press conference, guys, in 2016, when being named the full-time head coach, I, I don't know, he had a crystal ball. I, I think maybe I'm surprised it's happened in his third full year. But he told us word for word, line by line, what he wanted to see LSU football look like in the future mm -hmm. under his direction. And we're seeing it here in 2019. Coach O seems like the kind of guy players would take a bullet for. Close my eyes. I can just picture, oh, dad, fuck you. Legendary quote from the postgame uh, speech in the locker room. Un unfortunately, was uh, put out there on Instagram. Talking to Chris Blair, the play-by-play -play voice of LSU. Another coach deserves a lot of credit. Maybe he's getting too much. Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator. How responsible is he for the success of Joe Burrow? 55 touchdowns, six interceptions, 78% completion percentage. And can they keep him in Baton Rouge? Well, I think the plans, to, to answer your last question, I think the plans are already in place. Obviously, it's not public, but, um, you know, these guys, Coach O is, again, uh, has, has navigated through this coaching profession for a lot of years. Uh, and, you know, John Robinson, the legendary coach at USC, is, is part of his staff in, in, a, in an advisory role. And, and, and they knew people were immediately going to come after Joe Brady. But to, to answer your first question, yeah, I think he deserves a lot of the credit. Um, because that's what they were looking for. You know, last year they went um, with the offense, Steve Ensminger again, who's, you know, called more football games than, than, than I'll ever imagine probably uh, in his 30 years as a college coach. Um, and he's got a trust with Coach O. So that trust makes Ed feel very comfortable. But they both agreed after uh, losing that game uh, to Alabama in Tiger Stadium in 2018 that we can't line up. Uh, and just simply try to smash people out of our way and win football games. You might be able to do that eight, nine times out of the year because you're just bigger, stronger, and faster. And, and in fact, that's kind of where LSU was for uh, about seven years. 
So they decided we got to we got to do something about this. And, you know, I, I give Joe Prady a lot of credit because he brought the new principles, obviously instituted the RPO. Uh, he understands the way to attack a defense. And uh, when you watch LSU and I mentioned the great receiving core, it's great to watch the film because you see these guys run such great routes. They find the empty cushions or, or the vacuum, if you will, against defenses. And that's really a credit to Joe Brady. But I think a lot of credit, again, goes to Steve Ensminger because here's a guy who has no ego in it at all. He wants LSU to win. He was a star quarterback at LSU. He's been a coach on the staff in a number of roles uh, for a number of years. And he's not looking for credit. He, he's here to win for LSU. And when Coach O and, and Steve uh, Ensminger met Joe Brady, they thought this is the type of guy that can bring us the new principles. We'll merge that together with Steve's experience and kind of a feel for a game. And it's really fun to watch these guys work in the booth. And, and I, again, the preseason scrimmage was another indication to me that this could be special because we got to watch him in an empty stadium. And, and Joe's kind of looking ahead, watching trends from the defense and then pulling from their array of plays. And then he's kind of forwarding those to Steve as the game goes along. So Steve's got these options in front of him. And again, I think Steve does a great job of, of understanding and having a feel for the game, which as much as Joe knows about the game and the X's and O's and how to draw up an effective offense, he hasn't had the experience of calling a game in that type of situation. So the fact that they put this marriage together in the booth and they work so well together is another big reason why LSU has been as successful as they've been. All right, Chris, last one. We'll get you out of here. The Superdome. Monday night, how rocking will that place be? And maybe in particular, how many points do you think of and edges for that for LSU? I mean, obviously, if they're playing in Tiger Stadium, three or four points, according to the odds makers or the bookies. What do you think the Superdome environment will be like? And, and how much of an edge do you give to LSU for that? Well, you know, I've heard from a lot of people and, and, and they feel like they're inside the building that will be maybe two to one, maybe even three to one. The last numbers I saw. Uh, yesterday based on uh, sales on the secondary market. Um, so, you know, Clemson's a, a team, and I spent five years at Clemson, so I had a lot of respect for them, and uh, they travel well. They haven't become a spoiled fan base just because they've had uh, success and already picked up uh, two titles. Uh, they, they, they're still hungry, so they're going to travel well. Um, but inside the building, you may have a three-to-one advantage. Um, and again, I, I don't know early on if that will affect Clemson. Uh, they're a pretty – Pretty confident bunch, deservedly so. Um, but anybody like you know inside a stadium, when when your team can get something going and suddenly the crowd becomes electric, um, you know, and it's a three to one crowd, uh, I, I think that's key. And I also think, um, you know, they can impact Trevor Lawrence uh, and that Clemson offense trying to make sure because if you've been in the dome, um, again, it's it's a loud place to work. So if you put a packed house in there. Uh, it, can, it can be hard to communicate on the field. We saw that last week with Minnesota. Uh, every Between every play, you've basically got Kirk Cousins trying to hear through his helmet. So it, it could be a factor, and I think it's because of the game leading up, the, the, the surroundings around the Dome when Clemson arrives to New Orleans, uh, they're going to feel like they're in Baton Rouge. Just the, the, the streets are going to be filled with purple and gold. Um, they're a pretty rowdy bunch. And uh, so I, I think all of that helps LSU. But, you know, as Coach O says, and I've heard coaches say a bunch of times, all that's well and good until you get hit in the mouth. And uh, all of that kind of goes to the wayside and you concentrate more on what's going on between the lines. But I, I think it's a benefit 
and, and even more so, guys, I think it's just a, it could be a very interesting storyline to what so far has been a magical storybook season uh, for LSU to get to play their final game. Joe Burrow perform as a Tiger for his final time uh, in New Orleans, inside Louisiana, at a place that, that loves to celebrate anything, much less uh, a college national title. So hopefully LSU oh. can finish the drill and, and seal it up yep. on Monday. Going to be a good one. LSU, Clemson, LSU, a five and a half point favorite. The over under 69 and a half. Chris Blair, the play-by-play voice of LSU. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Enjoy that game. We'll hopefully get you back on the show afterward. LSU, Clemson's going to be good. And so too is Mississippi, Mississippi State for years to come. Talking, of course, about the Egg Bowl. Why will it be good? Because you've got Lane Kiffin on one side And now Mike Leach on the other. Ross Tucker, is this the one pregame press conference that we should televise, put them up there? Surprisingly, these two are friends, but it would be wildly entertaining. It would. And and that's actually a question I have, Dave. It feels like across the country, but in particular in the SEC, it feels more and more like... They want a personality as their head coach. They want a character. And I wonder if Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin were strictly hired because they'll help them win the most games or they'll help with ticket sales. They'll help with interest in the program. They'll help with relevance. Because it sure as heck feels like getting a persona Getting a guy like Mike Leach, a guy like was was a big priority for those schools. It does, and there are reports out there about the Mike Leach hire at Mississippi State. Several reports that they did, in fact, crowdsource in part their coaching search after Joe Judge decided to not return to his alma mater and take the job as a New York Giants head coach. Again, reports out there that they crowdsourced it. And had the question was, what type of social media reaction would certain coaches get? So it appears to be factored in. I'm not sure about the Lane Kiffin situation. I do know that a UFC boxing type press conference would be outstanding. Lane Kiffin welcomed Mike Leach on Twitter saying, welcome to the state, old pirate and friend, which surprised me. I would think those two in high school were just opposite side of the tracks the cool preppy guy with the visor, the other guy smoking a cigarette over in the corner, but it's going to be wildly entertaining. Not sure how it'll work out. Yeah. And it's interesting. I did a poll yesterday, Dave at Ross Uh Tucker NFL on my personal Twitter handle. You're at Dave Briggs TV, the show at RDC home and home. Make sure you're following us. And I said, would you want Mike Leach to be your college's head coach? Feel free to reply. Why or why not? What do you think the poll results are, Dave, if you're not looking at it? Is it Gosh, yes I or haven't, no? I ha- I'm going to say no. I don't know. No, no. No. Okay, it's no for you, but I want to know what the poll results What percentage yeah. do you think said yes? What percentage said no? I think 60-40 no. Wow, pretty good. 65-35 yes. Oh, 65% oh. say yes. Come on. They Come on. Them. It's interesting, though, some of the responses, 
I get winning, but you want to build a positive culture for these young men. And he's shown consistently that he's unable to do that. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Texas Tech and Washington State people said, trick question, because I don't want him back at Texas Tech, but I'd take him <laughs> if I was anywhere else. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, very interesting. Uh, and a lot of people don't want him. A lot of people, 65% though say yes. Well, what would you say? I mean, you can't say Princeton because that's just a non-starter. But say you went to a Big Ten school that was less relevant, that wanted relevance and more offense. My answer is absolutely no. I went to CU Boulder, and I don't. I think his shit has grown tired. I don't think, look, he got Washington State to five straight bowl games. That's a school record. But I don't think that act would work in CU at Boulder at a school like that. I think recruiting in Colorado and California would be impossible with that personality and the type of stunts that he pulls and the things he says about and to players. What about you? Would you want him at your school if you needed relevance? Uh, I definitely would not want him at my school unless I was a program that never won and nobody talked about because he does give you some chance because of his name brand recognition if I went to Kansas, kind of like they did with Les Miles on some level, and Charlie Weiss, trying to get an established big name and hoping that that can be the difference. And I think Mississippi State maybe falls into that category. But I do think that getting a program like that, but if you're a blue blood, if you're in the top half of any division, absolutely not. I, 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 I wouldn't be proud of him, Dave, as my head coach, right? Like, he's funny. I'm glad he's a head coach. I'm glad he does funny things and we get to talk about it. But I wouldn't want that guy representing my organization and my my college and my state every day. No, thanks. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I just don't really... I wouldn't want him representing my school on or off the field. Maybe he's an offensive coordinator, but it would have to be a Patriots-like situation where there's no access to the media whatsoever. No thanks. Um, a lot of uh, situations to weigh in on, too, in these final two minutes. But one of the biggest off-season dramas is going to be what is happening in New England. Where is Tom Brady going? Does Bill Belichick want him back? Does Bob Kraft intervene and force Belichick to welcome Brady back for a year or two? Adam Schefter was on WEEI Sports Radio in Boston. Always listen to them on the Radio.com app. Weighing in on if there is another option beyond New England next season. Listen. The closest situation we've had to this, which was Peyton Manning, and when we were initially speculating on teams for Peyton Manning, nobody was talking about the Denver Broncos initially. Nobody was. They were talking about the Miami Dolphins, the Washington Redskins, various other teams. And I remember because we did a ranking on ESPN as the Super Bowl was unfolding of the four places that he would most likely land, and none of them were right. And so th there are just places that, turn up that, you, oh, whoa, I didn't see this team coming in. And I believe that that will happen again. That's what I believe. I believe there'll be teams that really have not been at the forefront of the speculation, which is what this is, that will emerge. And all of a sudden, the potential landing spots for Tom Brady. 
That's Adam Schefter from ESPN. Nobody has better sources than Shefty uh, weighing in on the future of Tom Brady and if another team could swoop in. The teams you've heard mentioned the most, the L.A. Chargers, if they move on from Phillip Rivers, you've heard the Colts thrown out there. And Brian Balding, our good friend, Radio.com NFL insider, he said the Miami Dolphins, and we have heard this thrown out several times before, he says a team that understands him from the GM Chris Greer to the head coach Brian Flores and is built to win now. No way, no chance, no how. Look, I can't argue with Baldy. The guy's brilliant. No way he's staying in the division. No way he's going to a situation where they're still rebuilding at this point of his career. I think the charges is a maybe. What do you make of the Schefter comments? And what's the one surprise team that you could see Brady going to? Oh, I agree with you on the Dolphins. I don't see that happening. Although Stephen Ross, big Michigan alum, I'm sure he'd love to do it. Get some tickets down there. And perhaps they even draft Tua and sign Brady. That would be cool. Draft Tua, have him learn from Brady for a year. I, although I don't think Brady just wants a one-year thing. I don't really have a surprise team. If I knew a surprise team, it wouldn't be a surprise. I am like most people. I think Chargers, maybe Colts, maybe a team like the Chicago Bears. I don't have a real good surprise team. I've heard people say maybe the mm. New England, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I don't know. My question would be, if he did go to the Patriots, would they boo or would they cheer when he came back to Foxborough? I'd like to think they would cheer, but you never know. Yeah, they're going to cheer. There have been a lot of people on WEEI that said they're going to be Brady fans no matter where he goes. If it looks like Bill Belichick is the reason he goes, that's what I wonder. How do those New England fans feel about Bill Belichick if he's not still winning or competing for Super Bowls? It's going to be interesting. Teddy Bruschi was on WEEI as we wrap this up. He says, uh, do you see Tom Brady leaving? Bruschi says, I can see him doing that. If the challenge is there and they don't show me the love, I'm going to have to do it somewhere else. Bruschi added, he thinks it's more about Robert Kraft than Bill Belichick. Clearly, it's not over for Tom Brady. The discussion is not over on WEEI in Boston. Check them out on the radio.com app. Follow us at RDC Home and Home. Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL. Don't miss him on this weekend's call on the divisional round on Westwood One Radio. We'll recap all those games for you on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.